our series in James, and we're in the last week, and so we're going to be closing up this book, and it's called Faith That Works is the name of the series, and we've been talking about this idea that God allows us to go through various trials, that He allows us to go through things, and our personalities, at least if you're like me, is the minute the trial starts, that's when I start praying feverishly for it to end, right? Like right when something bad happens, I'm like, Lord God, please, you know, deliver your faithful servant, you know. But, but God uses these things, as we've kind of seen with the baptisms, God uses our trials for, for, to accomplish His purposes. So much so that James says this uh, in this verse right here. He says, consider it pure joy when you encounter, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And I mean, how many of us want the endurance, but we don't want the testing of our faith? I mean, this is true in all areas of our lives. You know, we want to be ripped and toned and all this kind of stuff, but we don't want to go to the gym. We want to be super smart and have a degree, but we don't want to do homework. You know, we, we, we have all these things that we want to happen, but we don't want to go through the actual work of it happening. And James is saying, listen, consider it pure joy when this stuff happens, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so we've been talking about this idea that we're going to be facing various trials, various um, temptations. Hold on one second. Ah, there we go. Uh, there was a buzz in that thing. It was driving me crazy. Uh, we're going to go through various temptations, various trials, various things, and, and, and we, we might fail them. And when we do, we don't blame the test. We blame our faith. We've got to understand it's, that God doesn't, when you fail a test or a trial that God is putting you through and you're not handling it very well, it, it's not a time where he just starts beating up on you, hitting you, going, I can't believe it. But he's giving you information about your faith of maybe there's something you want to work on, something that maybe he wants to do in your life. And so, but we tend to blame the test, right? Well, my, my marriage or my kids or my house or my school or if you knew that teacher and God's going, no, 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 no. Don't blame the test. Blame your faith. And then let's start from there and move forward. This morning, we're talking about the biggest test, the biggest trial you'll ever face and you're probably going to face it on the way home. This particular issue if you can master this issue, you will go, uh, you will have an unbelievable impact on the lives of those around you. If you can get this one down, all the other ones fall into place. As a matter of fact, James is so bold to say, if, if you can control this, you can control anything in your life. That's how important this topic is. That's how important this issue is. If we can get this issue down as a church, whew, there's no stopping us. This issue is huge. When I was um, coaching soccer um, with my kids, um, we would have a game, uh, one game during the season that we called the game of silence. And so in the beginning of the season, we'd have the parents, it would be a parent meeting, and uh, I would tell them that one of the games is called the Game of Silence. And the way the Game of Silence works is um, you, you go to the game, you, just like normal, you bring your long chair, lawn chair, you bring your 
your cooler, whatever. You're all ready for the game. All, you know, but the only difference is I pass out uh, one of these to every parent. And hopefully you got one this morning. Everybody get their sucker? Anybody eat? No? Okay. We'll, we'll, uh, can you do me a favor? Oh, cool. Thanks. Oh, wow. Hey, the candy man can. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just raise your hand. Yeah. Um, so here, here's, this is the problem with our church. Uh, this is how immature we all are. Uh, so I, I handed these out, and everyone said, what are you trying to tell us? We're all suckers. That, you know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I'd pass one of these out, and um, the game would get started, and you were not allowed to say a word during the game. So if your kid misses the ball, kicks the ball, starts picking up worms during the game, nothing. Don't, don't, say, get, don't say get up. And, and parents would try to do the sign language, you know, and had all these things. It's, it's the game of silence. The only time you could take this out of your mouth, unless you're like diabetic and, you know, can't have sugar or whatever. Uh, the only time you could take it out of your mouth was to say something encouraging. So you could say, you know, good call, ref. Then back in, you know, because that's how, that's how parents roll usually. Um, or you'd say, great kick or good save or, hey, way to escort that kid to the goal there. Or, you know, what, whatever. Thanks for putting out an all-you-can-eat buffet for the team, uh, the opposing team. Whatever. It was only encouraging. Only encouraging. And so this, as you can imagine, from year to year, depending on the team, depending on the parents, had some uh, varying degrees of success, right? Because there are some parents that are crazy. And they can't stop yelling, right? They can't stop. I was one of them. I, I have video when, 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 when Audrey, my daughter, my eldest daughter, Audrey, first went into soccer. There's video of me videotaping her, and I am ashamed, mortified. I'm like, that is not somebody. I, I, was, I don't believe I was a Christian at the time. I was possessed by demons. I, the stuff I was saying, like, I was, I was crazy. And so, you know, God had to, you know, God's continuing to, uh, God's going to start. Uh, no, but I, I, this is something in my life I've had to work on. So, so for these parents, uh, the game of silence, I get it. I understand how difficult it is. And as the coach... I had one too. I wasn't allowed to say anything. So you can imagine the frustration. You've been working on something week after week after week after week after week. And then all of a sudden it's a game of silence. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know, I had four in my mouth. They went, they went across, right? <laughs> so hold on to this. If you ate yours, that's fine. You can get another one later. Don't, it wasn't like we, we'll get back to this is what I'm saying. James is talking on this very issue. If you can control your mouth, you can do anything. If you can control your tongue, is kind of the way James puts it. If you can get a grip on your words, you can do anything. This is the way James kind of tees us up for this. It's in James chapter 3, verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says... He's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. 
this particular test, this is why we saved it for last, this particular issue, being able to control your words, me being able to control my tongue, is of utmost importance to God. God is very concerned about what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of my mouth. As mu- so much so that I couldn't even begin. There's so many verses, I couldn't even... I, I, we're going to go over a few of them, but just open up your Bible. So much has to do with our speech about how we talk. And, and, and we all know this. Here's the thing that's so weird. When you get together with some buddies uh, or, or, or your girlfriends, your boyfriends or whatever, or people at school or whatever... Do you ever find yourself sometimes going, am I, am I gossiping right now? And it's kind of hard to put a finger on it. Well, I'm, I don't really, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not really. Why is it, it's so difficult for me to pin down whether I'm gossiping or not. But if you're talking about me, I can spot it in a second. See, when it's done to us, it feels real, it feels immediate, and we can identify it. You're, you should not be saying that. When we're doing it, it's very, very difficult. And yet we all, I'll bet in a group like this, 100% of us could go back to a time. Sometimes maybe you're just a tiny kid and you can remember the words that hurt. You know, uh, I don't know if anyone ever listens to the Carpenters anymore. Um, I don't. Uh, but but uh, the Carpenters is a group, you know, during the, the hippies, you know, time. And um, and and uh, the the one Karen Carpenter is that it? Excellent. She died at 33 of heart failure, and the reason she died of heart failure is because she was bulimic. She had the she uh, that's that was her disease. Do you know why she was bulimic? This is so amazing, and 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 it, it's, it'll resonate with all of us. There was a time when one person said, hey, there's Kevin Carpenter and his chubby sister. That was it. That, that was all it took to send her into this feeling of, of, of a lack of self-worth. And, and, and for those of you who know people who struggle in this area, it doesn't matter. It's like once it's done, it's so hard to undo and you probably have those things, an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, somebody that said something to you and you believed it, and it's made a scar on you. The whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me is absolutely untrue. The things, the times we've been hurt the most, it's been by words. Our words have so much power. They also have the ability to heal and to bless You probably have those times when somebody, maybe a neighbor or a teacher or somebody kind of came behind you and said, you know, you can do it. I I, I believe in you. I knew you were always going to become something. And those words just kind of like fill us. We we call it our emotional tank or our love, you know, you know, it just, it's something that fuels us to go, you know what? Our words can either bless, bring unbelievable healing to people's lives. Or it can destroy people's lives. And so James ta- is talking about this. I'm going to read a little section that's not behind me. And then, and then we'll put a verse up there. But 
James is trying to flesh out this idea of the tongue. And almost, uh, he, he spends more time on this issue than any other issue. He says, we put bits into ho- the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. In California, this example is just like so pertinent, isn't it? I mean, when we get to the fire season and you start to hear about some of the ways some of these fires are started, I mean, usually it's some crazy arson guy, but all of a sudden you'll find some little kid who just has some matches. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, kids, you know, don't play with matches. Your parents tell you this all the time. Don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. There's a reason. is because you can do so much damage with just one match. And I mean, this is such a great example that James brings up. He says, listen, every time you speak, you're just, you're tossing a match out. Now, now, for those of us around, I love fires in my living room because we have a fireplace. Um, but, I, like, I love the warmth of that. I love the sound of it. I love, because it's in a contained environment. I mean, fires can be, can be well, they can save your life, right? But once they get out of control, there's no stopping them. And it all depends on environment. Listen, listen to what he goes on to say. He says this. The tongue also is a fire. A wor- Listen to how James describes us, okay? This is cold. Uh, I don't know what his problem is. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Are you kidding me? My tongue is set on fire by hell? Yes. And how many times have I said something and wished right then, no. You know, you're just like, if I could just, I didn't mean, I didn't, if I could just, ah. Have you done that? Where you just, right when you said it, you thought, oh, this is going to, I'll bet it's 20,000 acres right there. Oh, No. Uh, you're trying to, you know, stop, drop, and roll. You're trying to do whatever you can to get it out. And it seems like, you know, isn't it true that when you speak something you don't want to speak and then you start trying to put it out, you're just fed? Like, hey, I didn't mean that. What I meant was, uh, you know, and you're like, and it's just like, right? Or you've, you've been talking, you know, just kind of talking with somebody. Yeah, and the thing, you know, I don't like this. And the one thing I don't like about this, and the person's like, yeah, that's my brother. You're like, oh, man. Or, you know, they know somebody or did something. When I was in the fifth grade, we moved from New Jersey to California. And uh, my dad worked on Wall Street and um, became an alcoholic. And and that ended up destroying our lives. But he came to Christ later on in life, in his his mid-30s, and uh, became a pastor. And so we were moving from New Jersey to California so he could go to seminary. And God radically changed his life. No drinking. He's been sober for uh, like 34 years. Um, he stopped smoking right away. He stopped cussing over a period of time. And um, 
And, and God just radically changed him. Well, in my fifth grade, I had this fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Rose. And um, I was an unbelievably well-behaved child. And um, Mrs. Rose was on the phone. The classroom went around. It was art class. So she kind of had like a little office. And then there was all this stuff for you to um, break. And uh, she was on the phone. And she was on with like the admissions office or attendance office. And they were telling her, hey, John is coming out of your class. He's moving from New Jersey to California. And she said, she said, John Rittenhouse is moving to California. I am not going to miss him one bit. Okay? No, no. Don't feel bad for me. Because um, I, I, that was just like money in the bank for me. I, I love that. So, so uh, yeah, because I, I went up to her and I'm like, hey, I, I heard you said that you didn't want me in your class. You know, and just like making her feel the whole pain of it all. It was fantastic. Um, right? But see, here, here, here's the reason it didn't bother me. My environment, my family environment, was well-watered and green. My parents were always supportive of everything I did. They, they, they were, like, like, those words didn't hurt me so much. But she didn't know that. You and I don't know that. See, if I play with matches here on stage, and I just start throwing matches down, it will burn the carpet. You know, they'll probably make a mark or whatever. I could light one of these things on fire, maybe. Why is it that whenever you want to build a fire, you can't, and then when you don't want to build a fire, it seems to go up real fast. Anyway, but so, why? Because the environment isn't there. Now, let's transport ourselves to the forest when there's been a lack of rain for three years. And, and basically, the forest floor is like fuel, and you take a match then and let it go, and it's gone. This is the problem. When we speak our words, we don't know that person's life. And is it just kindling? This is why sometimes we'll say one thing to one person, and it's like no big deal, and we say something to another person, and that just, that just lights their life ablaze. Only God knows their heart. Only God knows their past. Only God knows what that, those words are going to do. That's why it's so vital, James is saying. Our tongues are set on fire by hell. We have got to come to our speech with that kind of fear. Have you ever seen a kid with matches and you're like, okay, hold on. You know, you're just like, no, nah, why don't you give those to me? And you go through this long dialogue of not playing with matches and all this and the damage you can done. You go online, you show them pictures. Now, this one was started, right? Right, because we know the power. Could we, with our own words, go, you know what? I'm not going to play around. I I'm, I'm going to find out what my surroundings are like before I begin to speak. And so, he goes on, he says that this, this terrible thing that, you know, we're all set on fire by hell. Uh, and then he goes on, and he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a, here he goes again. It's like, dude, give me a break. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's like a snake. It's, it's like something you, that deserves a lot of care, respect. Like, do I really let this out now? Do I really, uh, uh, you know, do I say this now? How, how do I word it? And you know what? It's not just what we say. It's what we post on Facebook, 
It's what we send in emails. It's what we comment on. Different people's blogs and things like that where we, we begin to kind of spout off. All those words, they've got, to, they've got the power to bring healing, restoration, growth, redemption, or death and pain and shame. All from the same mouth, right? As a matter of fact, he goes on and, and he says this, essentially. James 3, 9 it's not behind me, but it says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt A salt spring produced fresh water. Imagine what we'd be like as a church. Imagine what you'd be like as an employee or an employer or a manager or a teacher or a student in in school if you were able to control your mouth. If you were able to look and say, what's happening here and what's going to bring health? What's going to bring deliverance? What's going to bring freedom? How, how do we do that? Well, I, I want to give us kind of a um, one more verse out of James, because like we've been saying, James is kind of all over the place, and um, this is found in the very beginning of James. James 1.26 says this, If anyone considers himself righteous and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I can feed the poor, I can do all sorts of stuff. I can tell you, hey, be, live a holy life. I can try to live a holy life. But if I can't control my tongue, especially as a pastor, it's worthless. It's no good. This is how James is talking about us and our words. And yet every single one of us has been on the, the receiving end of harsh words. And yet for some reason, when it starts to come up, we have a hard time identifying it. Well, let, let me just give you kind of a, a little bit of insight, and then we're going to go into four things that you can always say that are really going to help your speech, really helps mine. Um, but Matthew uh, 12, 34 says this, You brood of vipers. Isn't this encouraging this morning? Man, I just love the Lord and uh, love the Bible. You brood of vipers. Right now he's talking uh, to you guys, not to me. Uh, you brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? Now listen, here's the key. This is the key that Jesus is saying. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In some of your translations it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now this is key in helping us to control our mouth. This is key for me to control my mouth. When I fail this test, when, when, when I blurt out something or make a sarcastic comment, you know, that I've heard people do, or, um, or, or you know, I, I, with my speech, I do something damaging. The problem isn't, well, I got to stop. I got to stop that. The problem goes farther down and says, what in my heart caused me to say that? Am I insecure? Am I, am I, am I, do, do, do I feel like if I don't say something, I won't get what's mine? 
That, that, means, that means in my heart I don't trust God. Like I feel like I've got to work it out. I've got to work out my plans. Like Liz was saying in her, in her testimony, she was so pertinent, you know. That, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Am I trying to get something? Because I, I feel like if I don't try to get it myself, God's not going to take care of me. Do, do I speak to my kids in a way not to build them up, but because I'm embarrassed? And so I say something because I feel like, like it's a bad reflection on me. That's not good. <laughs> That's a heart issue. See, maybe what Jesus is trying to say is, if we can get our hearts right, maybe our speech will follow. Now, how do we do that? Let's just say we're all talkers and we just love to talk. What can I do to talk? Let let me just give you the the main point for this morning because I didn't give it to first service. Um, So they're just wandering aimlessly around campus. Uh, I don't know what to do. I said, I don't know. I can't. Okay. Um, Here it is. If you fill these things out, we have one point every morning, and this is one of them. This is it. You eat the fruit of your words, is it? You eat the fruit of your words. This is why, this is why he says your whole, the whole course of your life is set on fire by, by your words. If you are speaking words of bitterness, you will eat that bitter fruit your whole life. If it's anger, you will live in anger. You eat that fruit. If it's blessing, you eat that sweet fruit of blessing in your life. Why? Because it goes back to the heart. You eat the fruit of your words. And so it's vitally important that we get this down, that we control our speech, that we speak in a way that God would speak. Um, uh, As David was singing in his song, uh, Beyond These Walls, so let the Father's voice be heard in the words we speak. Can you imagine? You go into work tomorrow and you have a staff meeting. And, 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 and you, everyone's talking about what to do, and all of a sudden, your heavenly Father speaks through you to everybody. That's incredible. You're on campus at school, and everybody's talking and doing this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God seasons your words, and you bring peace to your school. Wow, that's incredible. Well, let me just give you four things real quick and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, four things that you can always say, okay? So if you run into a problem, you got, and you just, I just had to say something, here are four things that, it, it'll, it, that you can do. Uh, one is praise. You can always speak praise. You can always go, the, God is eternal. He was the, there before time began. He'll be there forever and ever and ever. You, we're never going to get tired talking about God's praise. And so you could always say, God, you are so mighty. Okay, imagine, you get a pink slip. Your boss comes and he says, yeah, I'm sorry, we're letting you go. And you pick it up and you say, God, you are my provider. <laughs> right? You can always say it instead of, hey, buddy, come here, I got something for you. You know, you know, and you launch into, you know, everything you've wanted to tell him for the last three years, right? You know, and another thing, you know, I don't even like those shoes. You know, whatever, whatever your thing is. You know, uh, but, but you can always speak praise. God, you'll never be able to exhaust the words we have for our Heavenly Father. He's so faithful. 
he's holy. And we, I mean, we, we just, oh God, you are just uh, mighty. And uh, we saw the Spirit of God today move on someone who wanted to get baptized. I mean, we can praise him for that. All week we can praise him for that. All week you can look back at that and go, God, man, you are incredible how you work in the hearts of men and women. Praise. Let me read a couple quick verses about that, and then we'll go on to the next one. Uh, oh, Lord, open my lips. In other words, the, uh, um, the writer of this psalm is saying, hey, let it flow. Open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. We can always praise him anytime. Okay, Number two, something you can always say is gratitude. You can always say thank you. And this doesn't just stop with God. You can always say thank you. You can say thank you to your teacher. You can say thank you to your mom. You can say thank you to your spouse. Now, thank you for making dinner. Thank you for, hey, thanks for all that you do around the house. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You could, if you have, if you're like one of those people that needs 20,000 words a day, you can fill them all up with gratitude. You can thank God. God, thank you that I haven't, uh, uh, that I'm not going hungry right now. Thank you that I've got clothes on. And yeah, and everyone's like, yes, thank you. He's got clothes on. Right, no, I, I get it. Thanks. I appreciate that. No, you guys are so encouraging. Thank you. Right? Right? Psalm 109.30, with my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and in the midst of many I will praise Him. Is there someone you need to, because we just, oftentimes I just forget to say thank you. To our volunteers who are in the sound of my voice, thank you. I can't say it enough. Thank you for volunteering in all the ways you volunteer. Picking up trash on Sunday morning, passing out things. I mean, it, it, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you. I didn't die. I didn't keel over and die right there. Not yet. Right? We, could, we have, you have people around you. You have people surrounding you that you can thank for all sorts of different stuff. It's really cool. So that, that, that you can always thank. you. Uh, number three, encouragement. You can always offer encouragement. Always. Now, this is especially true if you're in a place of leadership. If you are a, um, a leader of a department, maybe, maybe it's your own company, maybe you're a teacher or a parent um, or an uncle or aunt or whatever. I mean, really, when you get down to it, we're all in one way or another in a place of leadership. It's vitally important that we learn how to encourage one another. It's huge. And you can do it anytime. Any, I have yet to encourage someone and have them go, now, that's just inappropriate. You know, it's just, it just doesn't happen. Right? You're like, can I stop this meeting for a second? I just want to say, that's a really nice shirt. What? This is a business meeting. No, it's like, oh, man, yeah, thanks. You know, I, it actually only cost me $12. Yeah, actually, this one did cost me $12. Uh, right? Encouragement. Listen, listen to this verse. This is, this is a phenomenal verse. It says in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Right? This is what we've been talking about. This idea of unwholesome talk has the, has the ability to set fires. Right? So how, however we can't control our speech, if, if it's unwholesome, it's, if it's not healthy, if it's not worthy to be, come out of our mouths, don't let any of it come out. And if you're questioning, don't say it, right? Don't let any... Now, now watch what happens, what, what we replace it with. But only what is helpful for building others up. Now listen to this. This is the kicker. According to their needs... 
Lame. <laughs> See, here's how it would normally work. If someone comes in bragging about something they did or whatever, you ever met one of those people? They, they're, you know, flying off at the mouth. You think what they need is to be put in their place, right? I mean, when someone's prideful and boasting, you go, oh, I know, I know. What that is not, that is the opposite of what they need. Boasting stems from insecurity. Boasting stems from a, from a, a place of, of weakness, of just like, I, if I don't get my name out, if I don't do that, then what they need is encouragement. What they need is to be built up. And it seems opposite, right? Because when someone's bragging, you're just like, dude, you can't. Opposite. You go, you know what? You've always been really good at that. You've always been really good at that. Yeah, I've I've always been impressed by that. However you want. That's their need, not the need, right? According to their need. Or uh, New American Standard says, according to the need of the moment. Everybody's needs change moment to moment. Now, now ima- this is what he's saying. He said, imagine your life going to school, going to work, going to, uh, you know, whatever uh, small group, and you just sit and look around and go, you know what? I'm only going to speak words of encouragement. Can you imagine your business meeting? Only words of encouragement. He said, this whole meeting, only words of encouragement. And you're just talking to your coworkers. That was an excellent point. Man, way, way to go. Great job. You know what? Sherry always does that really well. I just wanted to point that out. I'm done, thanks. You know, right? but, oh, only words of encouragement. Imagine at school. You say, I'm going to go a day at school only speaking words of encouragement. It, it, it's phenomenal. Number four, nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Nothing. Take out your, take out your uh, lollipops. Yeah, or the stick that's left from your lollipop. This was my prayer for this week. Um, And and some of you might want to go by Disneyland and get one of those real huge ones. Um, (laughs) Mickey ears. Get get three or four of them. Um, Right? See? I'm just spewing out evil and, and, and flame. Think about, think about what, where you are right now in your life. Who you have, uh, who you come into contact with. Who, who you who have influence on or who has influence over you or situations that you find yourself in. May, maybe it might be a good idea to put this or just the stick or the wrapper in a place that would remind you you know, you know where this might go in my life? This might go on my keyboard. I put it right there. And as I, have you ever done that? You type up the email and it's worded exactly the way you want. You are just like point. You're down to point seven and you're like, if they're not in the fetal position by the time they're reading this, I mean, you are just like loaded. Just like, ah. Oh, and you go to hit send and the Holy Spirit goes, you're an idiot. And you go, and you select all delete. That's exactly the game of silence God wants us playing. Nothing. You can always say nothing. Let me read a couple quick verses and we'll, we'll wrap up. It says this. A man who, li- uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Even a fool 
is thought wise if he keeps silent. Is that not true? I mean, read your Bibles. It's so that's It's awesome. And discerning if he holds his tongue. You ever been at a meeting with someone? You're like, man, that guy's really smart. You're like, well, what'd he say? Nothing. I think he was just, I think he just knows it all. He's just like, right? And the dude's just sitting like, does Subway still have those $5 footlongs? You know, who knows what's going on in his mind, right? But you're looking going, you're looking going, man, this guy's a brilliant, you know, right? It's, it's, um, and you can do it too if you kind of do this and, mm, yeah, you know, it, it helps, but uh, it, it does that. Okay, Proverbs eleven twelve. A man who lacks ju- judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Now, this is Proverbs ten nineteen is awesome. When words are many, sin is not absent. Have you ever talked to yourself? I mean, I, I have talked uh, like twenty words too much. Like you dummy, what are you doing? Because I just kept talking and talking and talking. It's like ah. Uh, Especially pastors who talk for a living, they're, they're, uh, they're in big trouble. Nothing. Can you say nothing? Does it go on that? Well, I, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I knew you could say nothing, right? Okay. I'm like, wow, they can say. No. Uh, maybe it's on the dashboard of your car. Right? Maybe it's on your desk. Maybe it's, it sits on, um, you, know, uh, you, you know how your phone, you, you pick up your phone and you've got all the like, speed dial and stuff. Maybe it just sits right, right in there. And every time you pick up that phone, you're like, I hate that, Pastor John, or whatever, the Bible or whatever. <laughs> check, out, uh, check this out. We're going we're gonna to memorize a verse right now that you can uh, write down. It's Psalm 141.3. It says this, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. We can say that together, right? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Let's say it one more time. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Very simple verse. You can memorize it in just a little bit. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I can always say nothing. Now, as we kind of close it up, uh, you can keep that, why don't you keep that verse up? That'd be great. Thanks, Truman. Um, I, I don't know where God, where your issue is, okay? I know where mine is. Mine are. <laughs> uh, and uh, with my speech. And uh, I know where, the, actually, I, I, I bought a whole bag of them, but... Um, they're everywhere, <laughs> They're like scattered around my house. No, um, but one's going on my keyboard. Uh, one, hey, you know, husband, hey, um, maybe you bring one of this to the next conversation you have with your wife. And she just is talking and you just put it in there. And she just talking and then you're like, man, she can talk for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you have two or something. I don't know. But, but may, may, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. But I, my prayer for us this week, and my prayer for us as a church, is that we would be a church that can control our mouths. That I could be a pastor that can control our mouths. That, that, that as we enter into conversations in small groups and everything, that we'd be able to, that, that there would literally be a guard set over our mouths, that, 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 that God would literally keep watch over the door of our lips and go, uh-uh, 
That's coming from a part of your heart I don't want expressed to anybody. You keep that inside until you fix your heart.